Gentlemen, pack leads, chickens, and things to episode 12 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. And we're, as usual, here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, what are those? Oh, those are the Muppets and Star Trek. And oh. we will be doing one to one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Ben Vereen and the original series episode, The Menagerie Part 2. Ooh. But before we get to that, German, do we have any feedback from last week's episode? We do. We have a nice little message from Daniel Peter Hitch on Twitter, who said of our last episode for our transporter accident uh, segment of the show, the Swedish <laughs> pike and pike instead of Waldorf was hilarious. And we laughed a ton <laughs> at that part, too. So we really enjoyed that as well. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Bork, bork, <laughs> bork, bork, and then Waldorf up in the balcony just beeping at them. Uh, yeah, so this week on the Muppet Show, we'll have Ben Vereen. So tell me about who is this Ben Vereen? So he was an actor of the stage and screen. They mentioned it on this show, but he had his own show for a while. He was Tony nominated in 1972 for Jesus Christ Superstar and Tony winner for Pippin in 1973. Uh. And uh, more recently appeared in the uh, as the Wizard of Oz in Wicked in 2005. Mm. Uh, he's appeared in multiple TV shows, including The Love Boat, How I Met Your Mother, and Webster. Everyone knows him from something, but what I know him from is a now famous episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm. where he played Will Smith's abandoning father. Oh, gotcha! It's sort of on everyone's top most emotional m- moments in television show. And that show had a lot of emotional moments, actually. Um, yeah, so he played Will Smith's father. Gotcha. But that's what I knew him from. But this week in The Muppet Show, it's, it's, a, it's a doozy. Mm-hmm. The show opens with uh, a music number called Jump, Shout, and Boogie, a great up-tempo number where we get to see Ben Vereen dance right at the end, which is really nice to sort of show him off. We then visit the balcony where Waldorf says the show is grabbing him and two large furry orange arms come up and grab him from behind. Then we get our first taste of the backstage plot. Fozzie's locked in a magician's closet with no way out. And that's the running gag for the rest of the show. <laughs> Kermit then comes in to introduce Ben Vereen, where he gets we get sort of a second B plot, which is crazy Harry trying to blow everything up for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Following this, we get the first musical, the, like a second musical number. First one really featuring Ben Vereen, Mr. Cellophane oh, from yeah. Chicago. Uh, he dances and sings in front of a large sort of city streetscape as people just ignore him. Backstage again, Kermit tries his best to get Fozzie out of this box with a hammer, but he fails. Fozzie, Fozzie then convinces himself that his show will be ruined if he can't be in it, and obviously they'll have to cancel. Kermit proposes a simpler solution, which is that he just replaced Fozzie. <laughs> Next, we have the Muppet News Bulletin about a man who died sitting on a flagpole, so they flew him at half-mast. <laughs> It is one of the darker jokes, I guess. Yes, think of. definitely. Afterward, we find ourselves at the dance. The best joke is one pig telling another that his cousin was seen on TV by 30 million people. She asked if he's a performer of some sort, and he said, no, he's a football. 
dark and funny (laughs) also in this sketch came a mention of uh, one of the whatnots auditioning for a tv show and she's really loud and grating and when they ask what it is she says a sermonette i had to look up what that was yeah i was confused by that one too they were three to five minute short religious affirmations that were typically shown at the at the opening of the day or the sign off for local broadcast networks weird and they would have local clergy come and do these sermonettes at the beginning and end of the day. What a random reference. <laughs> oh, yeah. So random. Next in the lineup is Fur Elise being performed by Rolf. A little out of place, but it's really just Rolf acting out, playing the song. And the only real gag is that he keeps hurting his fingers. Yeah. And his ears, I think, because the high note like pierces oh, his ears. Oh, right. yeah. Uh, following this is the talk spot. Kermit remarks that Ben is in great shape. Ben says he needs to be able to leap with explosive power. Crazy Harry hears this and blows him up into the rafters. Mm-hmm. Backstage once more, Fozzie's pleading with Kermit to not remove him from the show, saying it would be like polka without the hauntus, after which two people come in dancing the polka. The best moment here is at the end when Fozzie gets his nose and face stuck in the hole of the cage. <laughs> and it's almost it's got had to have been an improvised moment, but it was really cute. Finally, we get to Jarman's favorite veterinarian's hospital. The normal puns ensued surrounding a patient suffering from a cold sweat, and they really crammed in a ton of jokes this week. Oh, yeah. Just one up to the other. Sometimes they are light. This one was heavy. It ends with Dr. Bob in practice while practicing his bongos on top of the patient. (laughs) Afterward, we have a lame talking houses that is simply there to remind us how glad we are that they don't continue it in season two. (laughs) Finally. Uh, Next, there is a quick cut of Ben backstage after some poor word choices. Harry once again shows up, blowing him up into the lighting rig again. We follow this then with our weekly introduction from Sam the Eagle of Wayne and Wanda singing I'll Know. The song just begins and Wayne immediately follows another woman off stage, (laughs) leaving Wanda angry and alone. Next, we have another backstage check-in with Fozzie, and he's sad to learn that the show is going great without him. Kermit informs him that he's up next, but he's going on in his box. Fozzie gets wheeled out onto stage by two pigs. He does a few sight-based gags, which don't work because he's in a box, (laughs) and then they wheel him out, but then they bring him out for a battle. (laughs) Oh, that was really cute. The best part of this is that Fozzie's hat is on top of the box. Yes. My girlfriend noticed that. She's like, oh, his hat's still up there. <laughs> <laughs> we then get our final musical number uh, with Ben coming out uh, to entertain Droop, who says everything is so dull. We then get the song Pure Imagination, known from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which begins as a nice one-on-one number and then devolves into a hallucinogenic fever dream of floating neon puppets and then ends with some of the more sort of fantastical Muppets making appearance. Right. The, cl- the closing features Fozzie finally be escaping from the box, explaining that Crazy Harry blew it up. Ben then makes another poor word choice, which cues Crazy Harry to come out and trigger one last explosion. And that is the Ben Vereen episode of The Muppet Show. Indeed. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the music from this episode. Jump, Shout, and Boogie was actually from a Barry Manilow album. Oh. This one's for you. It is. It was a pretty big hit, but the big hit from this al- album is Looks Like We Made It. <laughs> the lyrics were uh, by a guy named Bruce Sussman, who later went on to do music and scores for multiple Don Bluth animated films, including The Pebble and the Penguin and Thumbelina. Interesting. Which we all sort of remember from our childhood. I'm bleeding, I remember, yeah. 
Mr. Cellophane from the musical Chicago, as I mentioned, music written by John Kander and Fred Ebb. They're also the same guys who brought us Cabaret, which in the original Broadway one, uh, Broadway run featured Joel Gray, who hosted an earlier episode of The Muppet Show. Indeed. For Elise, written by Beethoven, everyone's heard it. It's a famous song. There is a heavy debate, however, on who Elise was, because it's basically for Elise. Ah. Uh, there are three main thoughts. This woman named Elizabeth Raquel, who is a soprano who did a bunch of revivals of Beethoven's operas and was a friend of Beethoven's. And some think that he had romantic inclinations with her, but she eventually married one of his friends. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. Uh, Therese Malfatti. There's belief that the transcriber didn't get the name right. And the title was actually supposed to be Fur Therese. <laughs> she was a friend and student of Beethoven's and he supposedly proposed to her in 1810. She turned him down and later went on to marry a minor noble instead. <laughs> and the last one is Elise Barenfield, who was a child prodigy and soprano who hit fame at like 12 or 13, who did concert tours with Beethoven. And it was thought that he may have written it for her as a favor to someone else. Hmm. He's not lucky so, with yeah, love. So I didn't know this, but there, but for Elise is high is widely debated. A lot of drama there. Uh, the song I'll Know with Wayne and Wanda that we only get a, a line of is from the musical Guys and Dolls. Yes. Uh, written by Frank Lozer, who also brought us other great musicals like Han Christians Anderson and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which Jarman and I were both in in high school. Yes, we were. <laughs> Uh, I played JB Bigley and you played like the, I can't remember the, something the, the mailroom guy. Mail I can't remember his first name, but yeah, you you had a great musical number though. It was cute. Uh, the company way. Great musical. That's number. right. I forgot all about that. <laughs> uh, and then finally, pure imagination written by Leslie Bacuse, who we mentioned on, in, on the last episode as the writer of talk with the animals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, his writing partner, Anthony Newley uh, wrote the theme song for the bond film Goldfinger. Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Anthony Newley. Gotcha. What a weird connection. Yeah, so strange. As I said, I'm realizing in this era, there's like 10 guys who wrote all the music. And it's no one knew their names. And no one knows who they are. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Uh, so, Jarman, what did you think of this episode of The Muppet Show? So, I really like this episode a lot. Um, I think it's it's always down to the, is the host a good fit? And do they keep... Um, consistent writing as well because we've seen good hosts that have they've kind of fallen flat like uh with the the guy from blazing saddles it, he's a great host he could have been a good fit, Corman. but just didn't work um but this it, it fired on all cylinders this time because um ben vereen was just a fantastic dancer and singer and actor so he's used to being around this kind of um song and dance kind of show um i thought he was a little awkward at times with the muppets he had some weird nervous laughter and stuff but that just might be how he is i don't know uh, the was, talk spot was real weird, especially at was first. Real, real weird. Yeah. When Kermit mentions how like in shape he is, and he just goes, <laughs> "I was like, yeah." Whoa. It was just out of place, awkward laughter. Um, but beyond that, I his I like his two numbers that were just really showcased him really well. Mister Cellophane is dancing. Um, he did he did a lot of talk singing for that one. So I was like, oh, I wonder how good of a singer he actually is. And then he does um, pure imagination. And he was a fantastic singer. So um, I love that song. I, I'm always humming that song all the time and, and whistling it and stuff. So when it came on, I was like, oh, I love this song. Um, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and of course, there was so many puns packed in, as you mentioned, in this whole episode, but also in the veterinarian's hospital uh, thing. There's just pun after pun after pun. Um, so I, I love puns. So I really enjoyed this episode. It's it's in my top <laughs> five so far um, of all we've seen because it was just really See, enjoyable. 
So I'm going to disagree. I really ranked this one lowly of what we've watched so far. Really? I don't think they did a great job of featuring Ben Vereen. Oh. Like, aside from sight gags and the Harry, Harry blowing him up gags, he had 10 to 15 seconds of dancing in that opening number. He, I agree. The talk singing thing, like the point of, of the second number, uh, Mr. Cellophane, was just to show off his dancing. Yeah, and I thought it they felt did like a great job opportunity to show more of him. Well, I thought, I thought it was pretty even-handed because that number was mostly his dancing, and then the other one he was just sitting and mostly singing for um, the pure imagination one. And so, and he hit wonderful notes, and it was really see. Yeah, I, I I felt like that first Mr. Cellophane especially was disappointing because they used such a big set like that. They that, did that city like walkway set was huge. I thought it was like and Sesame they Street. Put, <laughs> they only put like four Muppets in there. It felt so empty, and Ben Vereen was not enough to fill to fill this set. Fuck it I just play, felt yeah. so missed. I didn't feel if that anything. Way. I would have loved to have seen the pure imagination staged on that set where droop is sitting on a stoop talking about how bored he is. And then Ben Vereen takes him window to window. And as they get to a new window, they get to show the crazy dancing body and then the crazy, you know, <laughs> hand the, the Muppet phones and then, you know, and showing this kid that there's imagination in his neighbor that that would have been a great number. That's true. But because it, it because it was just him standing next to him and then all of a sudden this like hallucination happening <laughs> and then just bringing in all the weird monsters right at the end just for like, look at all this weird stuff we have. Hmm. It just felt missed. The whole thing felt missed. I just I just didn't feel that way. But I see your point. Oh, I see your point how that could have been improved upon. But beyond that, it's just I, I felt like he carried it pretty well. Um, but I agree. Pure Imagination was finally the show off of his voice that they really needed. Yeah, he's got a great they voice. They really, really needed. But no, I, b- between his awkwardness in some of the Muppet interactions and and sort of what I feel the miss of the musical numbers, I, I rank this one pretty lowly. If anything, the one thing that saved this for me was the bit with Fozzie in the box. The B-plot is what <laughs> kind of salvaged this episode for me. It was very cute. It was. And once it, when Fozzie gets his nose stuck in the door, that was, that was so, <laughs> that oh, I'm stuck. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's in my top five and it's near bottom oh, five. <laughs> oh yeah. This is like one step above Florence Henderson, maybe. Oh my God. Wow. For me. We're going to have it's different not lists. Florence Henderson though. Nothing's for Florence Henderson. Yet. Which makes me think uh, that might be a good thing for us to do is at the end of each season for this, we do a, um, a recap and kind of a ranking, a ranking episode. Maybe not all of them, not maybe maybe not one through twenty four. Maybe our top three and our yeah. bottom three or something like that. That sounds like a good idea. Our top ten or something like that, or top or yeah. top five. Yeah, I think. Okay, I, I see what you're doing. Yeah, we'll make up a new segment as we go because that'll be a first time for us getting to the end of a season. That's true, and we're halfway there now. We are. Wow, wow. Muppet Trek's come a long way, folks. It has. Episode twelve already. So, Jarman, tell us about this week's episode of the original series that we watched. Or continued. All right. So this week, uh, we are continuing on the Menagerie with part two, the only two-parter episode of the original series. Uh, so last time we left, uh, Spock was in the middle of a uh, trial for mutiny on the Enterprise with Commodore Mendez, Kirk, and Pike in attendance to judge him. Um, he's continuing to show them footage of his and Pike's mission to Talos 13 years ago, and he's able to show it to them because the Talosians are giving them this vision. He explained that last episode. So we go back to 13 years ago where um, 
Pike was taken through several scenarios with Vina, uh, the pretty girl on the planet, by the Telosians, uh, living out fantasies that so he might fall in love with her because they want him to be a companion with her in their weird species zoo that they have on their planet. Um, but he doesn't fall for it. They eventually turn her into an Orion slave girl. She dances for him, as we talked about back in the unair pilot episode. Um, but eventually the transmission stops before it can finish telling the story. And Spock is frustrated that it won't continue. But uh, Commodore Mendez says, hey, we've seen enough we need to see. We're holding a vote uh, whether or not to convince, convict Spock. And so Kirk, Mendez, and Pike all vote unanimously to convict Spock of mutiny. Um, I'm not sure why this break happened and why the Telosians suddenly stopped showing the events unfolding, because then they just start showing it again five minutes later. So I don't know what that was all about. It's not explained. Um, Pike eventually finds a way to... They go back to showing the story in the view screen, and Pike, back 13 years ago, eventually finds a way to block the mind powers of the Telosians by being angry. Uh, he uses this to get the upper hand on them, and he escapes from his cell. And at that time, his crew had already beamed down, so he goes back up to the top of the surface with them and the Telosians and Vina. And the Telosians reveal to him that Vina was really critically injured and deformed in the crash that put her on that planet long ago. So she chooses to stay there on the planet so she can still look beautiful, and Captain Pike and the others take off. Now, uh, when this is learned, we come back to the present, and suddenly Commodore Mendez disappears. And I had forgotten Ooh. this happened, actually, because I haven't seen this in a while. Um, apparently, he was also an illusion from the Telosians ever since he left with Kirk on the shuttle in the last episode. Um, because they knew that Kirk wouldn't uh, go for this unless he had a long trial before this happened. Uh, so a call from the real Starfleet comes in, and they say that the punishment for going to Talos will be waived this one time uh, for no particular reason. Yeah. It was kind of strange, kind of <laughs> hand-wavy. <laughs> Uh, Pike says he does indeed wish to be left on Talos for the remainder of his days because they asked him a yes or no question for that and he beeps once for yes so Pike beams down to the planet and Kirk sees on the view screen that Pike has given his bodily form back via an illusion and walks off with Vina to live off the rest of his days uh, you know having sex with Vina all till he dies <laughs> so that's the end of the menagerie part two and uh, Kirk and Spock have a little funny moment at the end where they um he jokes about Spock being so emotional and Spock says, how, how what? you don't need to insult me, sir. <laughs> so I thought that was a really fun <laughs> moment. Um, but yeah, we, there's actually no really additional trivia for this episode. This was mainly, um, this was much more of the original footage from the pilot than the last episode. So there's not a lot of new stuff that happened. I looked through all the trivia I could find. There's most of it we covered last week. Um, so check out last week's episode if you haven't already. Um, so what's you, what do you feel about this episode, Steve? So, things i liked the mendez reveal was really good yeah and i re and i didn't see it coming uh some people might say it was random but for me it was a nice little like oh more telogian nonsense <laughs> uh, and i like that for once in star trek it was like a nice hopeful ending there wasn't like a question of ambiguity or whether they did the right thing or not yeah i could see that and then i liked how poe it really ended up being poetic in a very nice way in that, you know, she was broken and deformed and he, and he didn't end up staying in the mm. original original, but now he's broken as well. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> and, and so it just, it made it very nice and a nice balance You're so the right. story, even without seeing the original. So I thought that was, that was really nice. That is a nice touch up. Yeah. Uh, things I disliked. There were two little check-ins with the present for like with what was actually happening. 
Yeah, they got like a little lazy on this one, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they're going to cut back, right? <laughs> nope. Right? <laughs> um, the rev- and, um, the reveal at the end with Pike was too quick. Mm. Like, Spock literally pushed him out the door. Him and Kirk had, like, 12 seconds of dialogue, and then Kirk looked up on the screen and Pike was running in. Yeah. With what with what's her face? And I was like, oh, okay, that was fat. What? They actually did mention that in the trivia that fans and people watching were like, that was way too fast. And so fans are still trying to make it fit by saying, oh, that was just a trilogian showing Kirk what he needed to see. And really, uh, Pike wasn't on the planet yet. And I was like, okay, I guess. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that might fine. be it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I fine. just, I agree with them. It was too quick and, and it just didn't feel like it played right. That makes that sense. Um, overall, good episode, good way to frame an existing episode and use the footage. I was not nearly as annoyed by this premise as I thought I would be. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, there were some things that didn't like, we're just going to let you not, not have the death penalty this one time. Yeah. They didn't explain just that this at all. once though. <laughs> Next time Spock. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, Oh, okay. I guess, sure. I guess we're off the hook. Why not? <laughs> Like it would have been smarter if it was like the Telosians have have lifted the agreement or whatever the hell. You know, just get, make it the Telosians decision to let it happen and maybe it would have been cleaner. Who knows? Right, just give one line of dialogue that explains why they said that was okay. Like they just didn't do that. So I don't um, I don't know. But yeah, I think this was the let, you know, it was there have been other episodes that have been bad worse than this two-parter. Yeah, strangely enough, watch. with this being like a clip episode, basically, it's it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, like Miri, I think for me was worse than this. <laughs> oh, poor Miri. <laughs> hey, I'm 30 years older than you. You pretty hot, you know that? <laughs> bonk, 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 bonk. <laughs> oh god. Um, so uh, definitely not the top of the, maybe not the top top of the heap, but certainly not at the bottom. Yeah, middle of the road kind of thing. Middle of the road. That's fair enough. Uh, but German, I've got some great Trek connections. I am loving it. Please. All right. There are two and they're both sort of centered around the same thing. Uh, ben Vereen, who hosted this week, played Commander Edward M. LaForge in the Next Generation episode oh. Interface in the seventh season where he played Jordy LaForge's father. That's awesome. I remember that episode. Uh, he was also in Roots, which also featured Sandy Duncan, another host of The Muppet Show from earlier. Ben Vereen portrayed George, who was Kunta Quinte's grandson. Hmm. Kunta Quinte, played by LeVar Burton. Who plays Jordy LaForge. <laughs> it all comes and full LaForge. circle. And LeVar Burton actually tells a really great story about being, I think, 15 or 16 and going to New York to see Pippin on Broadway and just loving Ben Vereen in it and waiting back in the back alley for an autograph and took a picture with Ben Vereen huh. and then told him, I'm going to perform with you someday. And then on the set of roots, like brought the picture to huh. show Ben Vereen and Ben Vereen had no recollection <laughs> that this had ever happened. And then he acted with them again <laughs> on Star Trek. That's crazy. Yeah. So they've had a lot of interwoven performances. It's great. Nice. So those are the Trek connections for this week. Beautiful. And now we have some similarities between these two episodes, which are always Always makes so much sense. Oh, boy. I've got four, so I'm going to go first. Oh, please do, because I only found one. <laughs> uh, both involve a world of pure imagination 
Oh, the Ben Vereen musical number and the illusionary work of the Telosians. That was the only one I had. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Eat it. Well, then I'll just go through the rest. Just go through it. Uh, both involve someone trapped in a box or cage. Mm. Fozzie in the magician's box and Pike in his cage. Indeed. Uh, ben Vereen. <laughs> this one's a little bit more cerebral. Ben Vereen <laughs> sings Mr. Cellophane about people looking right through him, just like Captain Pike sees through the Telosian trickery. <laughs> Okay, here's my last one. Both feature explosions, both in the laser trying to blast open the door and crazy Harry blowing everything up. That's perfect. Might as well be the same damn show. (laughs) The same exact show. It's just so close. (laughs) God. Oh, no. What's that sound? I don't. Whoa. Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right, so this is time of the show where we switch one character slash actor from one episode to the other episode, and I will go first this time. So this one I really enjoyed. Uh, ben Vereen trades places with Vina because he'd make a lovely dancing Orion slave girl. <laughs> <laughs> Just leaping around. Yes. <laughs> All right, I get on board with that. A lot of kicks. <laughs> uh, I said you bring over the Telosians to to replace Statler and Waldorf and then just silently judge the Muppet show as it's happening. <laughs> they change that, it to make it better with their minds. Right, right. But make sure it's just that one shot that they showed and then that you can put any voiceover you want over it. <laughs> right. The head, the head, but to, like to explain the plot, the, the plot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a small nod that the Telosian does at the end. Hmm. Uh, so I'll have a uh, captain Pike to trade places with Fozzie bear. And I'm talking about captain Pike with the real chair. Because uh, he can do a yes or no comedy routine in his box, just like Fozzie was in a box. So I did kind of okay. use that box similarity, but in my so what I said was Fozzie in his box goes and replaces <laughs> Captain Pike in his chair. Perfect. And instead of beeps, we get like sad, muffled waka waka. <laughs> waka 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 waka. <laughs> it's the same show, basically. Same. It's the same show. I don't know how you people don't get this. <laughs> That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> To show you the evidence. That's right. <laughs> so that if brings you need us to any the- more. Listen to the rest of them. <laughs> yes, listen to the rest of them. That brings us to the end of episode 12 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for episode 13 of the Muppet Show with special guest Charles Aznavour. Just say that name a few more times. And original oh, series episode, The Conscience of the King. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. 